Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings. 1 Kings. It's Old Testament. 1 Kings. And chapter 18. 1 Kings and chapter 18. So good to see each every one of you here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Are y'all tired yet? You sure? Okay. Uh-oh. You know, this Google stuff is always listening to you. I don't know what is this. They're always listening to you. Praise the Lord. They want to give me the definition of Lord. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. All right, are you in 1 Kings chapter 18? Okay, we're going to begin reading at verse 17, and we'll go through verse 24. All right, y'all have that? Okay, let's read that together. Ready, read. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Baals. Verse 19. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, but of Baal. But the people answered him. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire on it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire... He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Let's go over real quick. I want to read um, two more verses here. Verses 38 and 39. Let's add these two verses, 38 and 39. Okay? 38 and 39. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let's read that together. Ready, read. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. All right, verse 24 again says, then you should call on the name of your gods, gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Today I want to talk on that subject, the God who answers by fire. The God who answers by fire. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, today for giving us opportunity we have to spend this time in your word. I pray that these, your precious people, would have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive the word of God. I pray, Father, that, Lord, your anointing would rest upon me, that, God, as I minister the word of the Lord, that, God, it comes directly from your throne to your people. And I pray, Father, there is no hindrance or distraction to the word of God, that, Lord, as we exchange this time in the word, as we spend this time in the word today, that, God, you would speak things through me I have not spoken and think things through me I have not thought, oh, God. Let me hear things I have not heard, and I pray, Father, you give me divine utterance from heaven's throne, that your people may hear a fresh word today that will spark and charge our souls and our spirits to settle in on you, the living God. We thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may take your seats. Praise God. The God who answers by fire. The God who answers by fire. The God who answers by fire. <laughs> you and I today are in the church of the living God. I don't know if y'all caught that. We're in the church of the living God. Paul tells Timothy one place, he says, but if I tarry long, he says, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of the living God. The church, the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. We're in the church, not of the dead God, we're in the church of the living God. <laughs> Say, neighbor, God is alive. Are you? I just want you to bump them just because some people sit here like they're not alive. They're like they're just people sit here in church in a catatonic state. Sometimes like spiritual zombies walking around. Yet we are in the church of the living God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The most basic and fundamental scriptural concept that every believer, every believer must grasp and stand on is this, that we serve the living God. The very foundation of the Bible is found in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I wonder if you can find that, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. When Moses, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, records these words, in the beginning, God. <laughs> I mean, I know it says he, he created and so forth. But just in the beginning, God. He places God before the beginning. Okay. He, uh, 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 man of God who already moved to heaven several years ago, many years too early, uh, he, he made this statement. He said, God didn't begin in the beginning, God began the beginning. Dr. Uh, Pastor Miles Monroe. He said, God didn't begin in the beginning, God began the beginning. God didn't start when start got started, God started start. In other words, God exists outside of time. And so God, God was there in the beginning because he created the beginning. 
there would have been no beginning without God. Those of you that went through Old Testament survey, you remember this word, Hebrew word, Bereshith, which means the beginning. It's, it's the first word in the, in the Bible, Bereshith, that God, in fact, if you were to read in Hebrew, it would say Bereshith Elohim, in the beginning God. So God began the beginning. And so in the beginning, God created the heaven, heavens and the earth. And so it's interesting that the devil has spent from that time to now trying to debunk that, trying to discredit this very statement. And the reality of it is, ladies and gentlemen, if you and I don't master uh, the concept, the revelation of that one verse, Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is meaningless to us. I don't know if y'all got that. If we don't get that one statement, Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible has no power in our lives. Because the whole Bible, the whole everything we know rests on the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. The Bible says over in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same thing, in the beginning. So everything that we stand on is based on the fact that God was before the beginning, God was in the beginning, God was after the beginning, God began everything. Everything came out of God. He created the heavens, heavens which includes the entire universe. It, create, it, it, it includes the sun and the moon, the stars, day four of creation. Got it? It includes all the comets. It includes all the meteors and meteorites. It includes all the asteroids. It includes the black holes. It includes Venus. Now, this is going to help somebody in a minute. It includes Mars. It includes Mercury. Now, I say that because there are people who worship Venus. People who worship Mercury, people who worship these planets. Remember when Paul got to that one place and the people, he did a miracle and the people thought, oh, he must be from Mercury and so forth. Y'all remember that? And, and, and what's happened? They have, they began to worship these things, but God created the heavens. Come on, somebody. And the earth. Would the earth include all the trees? For the tree huggers and the tree worshipers? Will the earth include all the, all the beasts of the field? Will the earth include all the birds of the air? Will the earth include all the fish in the, in the sea? Will the earth include all the rocks? Will the earth include all the herbs? Will the earth include all the plants and the shrubs and the, the sage and the... Help me, somebody. Will the earth include all these things? All the metals? All the ore in the earth? Is that God? That they form bowls and they 
Come on, we're going to help somebody today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Y'all wake up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you and I don't have this solid foundation, we miss out on everything else in the scripture. And the devil has done his best. You, you look back from the very beginning. Remember Genesis chapter 3. You have Adam and Eve there in the garden. And here comes his little serpent. He's a devil. Coming along in the form of a serpent. And he tricks Eve. He deceives Eve, but he does not deceive Adam. Isn't that what, what the Bible says? Eve was deceived, Adam was not deceived. So he comes along and he tricks them by getting to them to, uh, first, he couldn't take away the existence of God for them, but he could discredit God such, such that they thought God was dishonest. Come on now. That God was untruthful. Because he came to them with this question to Eve, has God said? So all of a sudden, she begins to run through her mind what God said. And all of a sudden, she said, well, God said, you know, we can't touch this tree and so forth. And the devil says, oh, it's not that. It's not that. It's that God, you, you will not surely die. Now, didn't God say they will surely die? It's not that you will surely die. It's that God knows that if you eat of this tree, you will become wise like him. So then in their mind, God is dishonest. That is a natural digression. Come on now. See, because you, if you all don't get this, we have the same issue today even among people in the church. Well, they, they said God said he'd heal me and I didn't get healed. So you, all of a sudden you start thinking God must be dishonest. And so if you, let, if you let the thoughts of dishonesty go on long enough, you'll begin to discredit God and you start putting question marks where God has put periods. And before you know it, now you have begun to deviate from serving the only true and living God to heaping up other gods to fill in where you think God is missing it. Glory to God. Remember, remember something called the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, you have the Tower of Babel where uh, Nimrod and the people that were with him, they began to get over into something called humanism. Y'all remember that? What, they begin, what, what humanism is all about is that they, they say we don't need God's intrusion into the affairs of man. We don't need God to intervene. We don't need God's help. And that same mindset exists today. That's what's driving the whole world system. In fact, this was called the Tower of Babel, where we get the name Babylon, where we get the Babylonian system. And this whole world system is based on the Babylonian system. It's the Tower of Babel. It's humanism where, well, there may be a God, but we don't need him in our affairs. We can fix the climate. <laughs> We can fix human suffering. We can fix poverty. We can fix drought. We can fix weather issues. We can fix crime. We just ban more guns. That'll fix the crime. 
as if criminals follow laws. Humanism is saying we can do this ourselves. We don't need God intervening in our human affairs. Are y'all listening today? Then you get something called agnosticism. Say, say agnosticism. Agnosticism is the view that the existence of God is unknown and unknowable. Which means we don't know if there's a God and we don't know that we can know if there's a God. What happens? It's, it's people saying that, that we don't have the mental capacity to conceive of a real God. So when that happens, you have to create something you can see. Come on, do I have any people here of faith? For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he, that he, that he is. And when people don't believe that he is, they have to create something that they can see. Not only that, we have atheism. Atheism which says there is no God. There is no God. Not only, we don't, we're not of the mindset we can't know. In our minds, we do know, and we know there is no God. But let's look at something here. Turn to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. Hallelujah. Verse 18. Tell your neighbor, I know there is a God. <laughs> Romans 1.18, are you there? It says this, watch this now, because remember now, there are people saying there is no God. Or people who are saying that we don't know if there's a God and we cannot know if there's a God. Now, y'all bored already, but I, this is... This is See, you got to get this because if, if you don't have this, you can't get your healing from God. You can't really get your prosperity from God. You can't really get your marriage breakthrough from God. And you'll start resorting to other gods. Today I'm preaching about the God who answers by fire. <laughs> There's only one God. Pastor Joshua, is this right? There's only one God who answers by fire. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? They do what? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So because people are unrighteousness, they can clearly see things, but they suppress it. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Did y'all catch that? Remember the agnostics say he cannot be, we, we, we don't know and we're not sure he can be known. But it says here, because what may be known of God is manifest, come on, in them for God has, tell your neighbor, they know it. Come on, tell somebody on your other side, they know it. Oh, they know God is real. They know they can, they can see it. You and I, we can feel him in our hands. We can feel him in our feet. We can feel him all over us, but they know it. They can see it, but they suppress the truth. To suppress means I know it's real, but I act as if it's not real. 
So all the heathens that are out there in the world, shucking and jiving and tipping and tripping and dipping and all the things that they're doing, they know it. That's why they can't sleep at night. That's why they got to get out on drugs and they got to get high. They got to get drunk because they're suppressing truth. Tell somebody else, they know it. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, come on, are clearly seen. Everything about God is clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So the things that are made demonstrate God's attributes. Now, this is important. The things that are made, they demonstrate God's attributes. Okay? Hallelujah. He says here, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, and Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, so that they are without excuse. So that means people all over this planet, when Jesus Christ comes, will have no excuse. When they die and stand before God's throne in judgment, will have no excuse. Well, I didn't know. I, I didn't know you were real. Or nobody told me. God's going to say it didn't matter if nobody told you, I showed you. I revealed myself to you. I don't care if they're in a third world country where there's no television, no internet, no radio. God says, I revealed myself. How in the world did, 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 um, did Abraham know about God? There's no YouTube, there's no television, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no, TBS or TB, whatever. There's nothing. There's none of this stuff. What happened? God revealed. How did, how did Moses know about God? God reveals himself to everyone through what they see. Oh, gosh. By the things that are made. Y'all got this so far. Verse 21. I'm going to keep going. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. What? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. How, how did they know God? They could clearly see him. They knew it. They knew this is God. This is, there are people who, some people will say a higher power. Now, they may not know the Jehovah and Yahweh and, you know, uh, Jehovah Sikhanu. They may not know these names we know El Shaddai, but they may call him something, but they know there's a God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Remember in the, in the book of Acts chapter 17, when, when, when uh, Paul got to a place, Areopagus, and the Bible says that they had all these various uh, statues, all these various markings, and they had one of these that said, to the unknown God. I wish I had some Bible scholars in here. It said, to the unknown God. They were worshiping an unknown God, but they recognized there was a God. They didn't know what to call him. They didn't know how to worship him. They didn't know how to handle him, but they knew there was this God. They knew there were, th there were these things they had created, but there was this unknown God that was there. And Paul said, I'm going to come and I'm going to preach to you and tell you about this unknown God. I'm going to make this unknown God known to you. You know there is one. Now I'm going to explain to you who he is. So every person on this planet... God reveals himself 
to everyone on this planet. So I don't care where they live. I don't care what, 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 what region they're in. I don't care if they're in some third world, dark continent. It doesn't matter what that, those things they may say. They know there is a God. They may not know what to call him, but they know there is a God. And you know there is a God. So everyone is without excuse. But what happened? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became, but became, but became futile in their hearts and their foolish heart, in their thoughts rather, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is what humanism uh, comes from. Look at verse 22. Watch verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Y'all mind if I keep going? And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What is he saying? He's saying so they saw and they reckoned, they sensed there's this God but because they rejected him, they rejected his glory, they began to, to change it and create images, statues, forms like men. That's why you have all the Greek mythology. Hey, y'all gather that stuff. All the Greek mythology, all the forms of men and women. And then four-footed beasts and birds and creeping things. So although in, their, in here they knew there's this God, because they did not give him glory, they became fools and began to create their own gods. Oh, God. Y'all with me on this? All right. Um, Look at this here. Verse 24. I'm not going to read through the rest of this. I just want you to see this. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. So because they refused to acknowledge and glorify God, he gave them up to uncleanness. And then from their uncleanness, or because of this uncleanness now that he gave them up to, they begin to do all kinds of things. You can keep reading through Romans chapter 1, and you're going to see some stuff that comes out of that. The whole homosexual, LBGTQ, PRNMQ agenda comes out of this. This whole June celebration that, that's demonic comes out of this right here. It's because of people who recognize there is a God and they know what's right, but they suppress the truth. They know that they know a man shouldn't be with a man. They know a woman shouldn't be with a woman, but they suppress the truth. They know their bodies weren't even designed that way. All nature teaches them the right thing. Y'all got quiet in this Baptist church real quick. Because they do this, it says he turned them over to uncleanness. So he allows them now to do that. Y'all don't like this preacher here. For this reason, verse 26, God gave them up to vile passions. Now, 
24 and 25 talks about them getting over into idolatry. But 26 talks about them getting now over into immorality. Maybe I should preach about something else. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. So idolatry always leads to immorality. Anytime you take away the glory that belongs to God and give that glory to man or to anything that man has made or anything that even God made, you are going to naturally digress into sexual immorality, particularly sexual immorality. You read it for yourself. Y'all don't like me preaching this this morning, but I'm going to tell you, all sexual immorality comes out of idolatry. It comes out of idolatry. It's because of us suppressing the truth. And we get over into, uh, into immorality because we ignore the truth that God has put on the inside of us. The truth that he has shown. That's why the abortion agenda is so strong. Abortion, that whole agenda, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I, it, I'm over the fact that these churches are going along with this. Because the abortion agenda is worship at the altar of Baal. Because husbands and wives, when they get together, Husbands and wives, when they get together, if they want a family plan, they're going to they do things ahead of time. I, I know that's probably way over your head. If they're going to family plan, they're going to do things ahead of time. And if the wife says, honey, I think I'm pregnant, you just say, praise the Lord, God's going to provide. I think it's twins. Well, praise the Lord, he's going to provide twice as much. Praise the Lord. But when there is idolatry, the worship of things, including ourselves, idolatry always requires, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Idolatry always requires a sacrifice. You search through scripture and every idol God you saw, they required human sacrifice. They always required their children to pass through the fires of Molech. So the abortion agenda is passing our children through the fires of Molech, worshiping at the altars of our idolatry and our sexual immorality. Y'all don't like this preacher. I, I know, I know. I'll quit. But what happened, has happened is this, this demonic agenda has crept into the church of the living God because the church of the living God acts as if God doesn't live. And we've allowed idolatry to make its way into the church. And therefore, that's why you have the sexual immorality in the church. That's why they had a couple weeks ago, the one, one denomination put out a whole, a 200 and something page report on 700 men in the church who were caught in all kinds of sexual immorality that they had hidden and suppressed. For decades. I 
don't just mean just immorality. I'm talking about violent immorality. Taking advantage of little boys, taking advantage of little girls. Y'all can pretend like it don't exist. The church has a whole lot of repenting to do. So God gave them up. Verse 24, God gave them up. Verse 26, verse 28, God gave them over. God gave them up. Verse 24, God gave them up. Verse 26, verse 28, God gave them over. To a debased mind. Now he said, just do what you want to do now. Just do you. Just do you because I'm, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm just done with you. Because God does not tolerate, watch this, here's a word, polytheism. He's not fond of humanism. He's not fond of agnosticism. He's not fond of atheism. And he's also not fond of polytheism. Polytheism is I have many gods. That I can have our God among other gods. But God said I will have no other gods. Put up Exodus 20. Exodus 20 and right around verse 3. Put up Exodus 20 right around verse, start at verse 1. Exodus 20. I'm going to preach anyhow. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke. That's good right there. Because there ain't but one God that can speak. All of them, they have mouths and cannot speak. They have ears and cannot hear. They have hands and cannot touch. They have feet and they cannot walk. But our God spoke. All these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage, he said, you shall have no other gods. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Do you know one of the reasons why God went into Egypt and got justice? You know, he went in there, he had to get his people out. But do you know why? Because God could have done it in one fell swoop. God could have come through, sent just a sleepy cloud on the whole land of Egypt and caused every Egyptian to fall asleep and just told people, get up and walk out. Do you know why he sent 10 plagues? Why he took his time? You mean, but because he was trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to be mean. Every single plague he get, he sent was an attack against one of the Egyptian gods. The Egyptians were polytheists. They worshiped all kinds of gods. So when he sent frogs, he was, oh, I can show you that in the book of Revelation. He, 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 he was attacking their gods. When he sent lice, he was attacking their gods. He said, I'm going to do this to show you that there's only one God in the whole universe. He could have done it in one, one fell swoop. He could have brought him out in one night, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to take my time because I'm going to show them who's the real God. So God is not into polytheism. God is not into this whole coexist. And people riding around today talking about can't we just coexist? And they have, they have a cross on the bumper sticker and they have a little uh, star and they have a little moon and they have all these little emblems of all these different faiths and religions. And God said, get me off that. I'm not, I don't coexist. You shall have no other gods. 
that word before doesn't mean no other gods in front of me or good, no any gods higher than me. He means don't have any other gods in my face. That word before literally means in my presence. Don't have any other gods. I'm going to prove you I'm the real. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When, when, the, when who, God? The Philistines came into Israel and they stole what was called the Ark of the Covenant. They took the Ark of the Covenant which possessed the very presence of God. They took it to the place, the temple of this God that they had, the Philistines had, called Dagon. And when they set the Ark of the Covenant in front as if God was going to worship Dagon, they set the Ark in front of Dagon thinking God would fall. But they came the next morning and Dagon had fallen. May every Dagon in your life fall this morning. May every false God has been set up in your life fall this morning. So what do they do? Here's their humanism. They're going to take their God, pick him back up. You know they ain't a God if you got to pick him up. What kind of real God you got to pick him up? What kind of real God you can buy him at TJ Maxx? What kind of real God you have? So they picked Dagon back up, set him back up. They came the next morning. And here's Dagon. This time he fell, but he didn't just fall. This time when he fell, his arms are broken off. His legs are broken off, which means God said, I'm going to have no, don't set me in a room with any other God. You can't compare me with any other God. I'm incomparable. There's no God like our God. Give God a shout about that. We don't serve some run-of-the-mill God. We don't serve some average God. We don't serve some regular God. We serve the only true and living God. You better know that. You better know that down in your soul. You better know that down in your sanctified soul. Don't let humanism, don't let atheism, don't let agnosticism, and don't let polytheism get in you where you start serving other gods along with God. This is what has happened and crept even into the church today, that the church of the living God has become a polytheistic people. That now they're bringing all other kinds of gods into their lives to come alongside God because somehow the devil has come and made people feel like God is dishonest. It's the same trick he pulled on Eve. God, did God say you'll die? You won't surely die. It's that God knows if you eat of this, you'll be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. So the devil gets people to now become confused. Well, should I believe God for this, or should I just go this other way over here? Should I really wait on God or should I just go and get my hands involved and should I, they, they told me I can go and buy a candle. If I light this candle, this candle is going to bring something into my home and now you got folk in the church out lighting candles. I've even seen some of those, some of the most famous people in the body of Christ selling them now online. Selling candles to, to bring peace into your atmosphere where we used to say that he will keep you in perfect peace if your mind 
it stayed on him. Now I got to get a candle to bring me peace because some of the devil has tricked me out of, out of believing that God is the true source of peace. So people in the body of Christ have now begun to even talk about this, this new thing, this new wave. Y'all hear me back in the back? This new wave of Chrislam. Chrislam, what's, what's Chrislam, Pastor? It's Christianity and Islam mixed together. That people in the body of Christ, no, notable people in the body of Christ are now, are now preaching Chrislam. That it's okay that you can mix God and you can mix Islam together because it's the same God. News flash, it's not the same God. God, Jehovah God, is not the same as their Allah God. So I don't want to hear none of y'all walk around talking about Assalamu alaikum, my brother. That's not the same God. Oh, no, I said it because that's a black folk. That ain't nothing about no black folk. That's about Islam. Black folk just say, what's up, my brother? Not assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum is a is a is a praise of Allah. And their own book, the Quran, says to the God who has no son. So Islam is not compatible with Christianity. Because you and I believe that not only does he have a son, but he died on the cross. On the third day morning, he went down into hell and he preached captivity captive. But on the third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand and he's seated on the right hand of God. And he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. So I can indulge. I can't allow myself to take any part of something that says God has no son. Yet the church is being duped into allowing this subtle, subtle, subtle polytheism to creep into the church. Tell your neighbor, you better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. Tell somebody else, you better watch out. You better watch out. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. You, you, can't, you can't, just, can't just follow everybody on YouTube and everybody on Instagram and everybody on Facebook. You can't just follow them because people, these, uh, I, they're, they're an influencer. Yeah, what are they influencing you to do? What are they influencing you to think? Do you write they are influencers? And if they're not influencing you to go deeper and higher in the things of God and to serve Jesus Christ with all your heart, you better unsubscribe. You better unfollow. Because a little leaven. Oh, y'all didn't like it. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. Put up 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Woo-wee. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. King James says evil communication corrupts good manners. So how the things you allow people to communicate to you 
you feel a little depressed. Come on, saints of God. I've been there. You've been there. Y'all, I've been there. You've been there. Feeling a little depressed. But instead of plunging into the word, the devil will, he'll make sure he sends some information to you that'll help you. A little pick-me-up information to you. And the whole point of it is for him to slither into your garden like a snake and introduce something to you that he knows is going to disconnect your fellowship with God. So you go from being a little depressed to now being disconnected from the people of God and then from God himself. And if he can finish off the job, he'll have you disconnect from your very life. Because he only has one agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. Tell your neighbor, there's only one God. And he's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, he tells the folk, I don't want you in any in in idolatry. We saw in Exodus 20, verse 3, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Remember that? Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Watch this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. No images. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under, under the earth. So no, nothing in the skies, nothing on the earth, nothing, no fish. Hallelujah. Keep going, verse 5, please. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Keep going. But show mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Do you want him to visit your iniquity or do you want him to show you his mercy? So he says, don't get out there worshiping these other gods. Don't make any images and don't bow down to them. So you got to watch who you hang with. Deuteronomy 6, verse 14, God said, you shall not go after other gods. He says, the, don't go after the gods of the people who are all around you. Did y'all catch that? Do you know when God, thank you, Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Ghost. When God sent the children of Israel out conquering the territories, the lands, do you know his number one command to them was always, when you go into a land, kill everybody. I'm going to come on this side. He said, kill off everybody. Kill all the men, kill the women, kill the children, kill them all. That's violent. That was God. He said, here's why. Because if you let them live, he said, they will become a snare to you. He said, they'll be, a snare means a trap. He, he says, if you let them live, you'll begin to fall into their ways. You'll start adopting their habits. You'll start following some of their traditions. You'll, they'll start sneaking in some of their little worship in with your little worship. And you say, oh, I like that. We can take that music and do that music in our praise and worship. And we can take that and we can do that little bit of that in our preaching, our presentation. And we can do this and we can, we can have our little thing just like they have their little thing. And then he said, That'll be a, it'll be a snare to you, it'll be a trap to you. 
So he says, don't go after the other gods of the people who are all around you. Now, how many of you remember King Solomon? King Solomon was, a, was a, I mean, a man of God, David's son. And the Bible says that King Solomon, at first, he says he loved God. 1 Kings 3, 3 says, and Solomon loved the Lord. And Solomon loved the Lord. But you know he had another problem. Because you get to chapter 11. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. They'll get on the screen for you. 1 Kings 11, verse 1. Y'all guys listen to this? Y'all guys hear this? Y'all guys listen to me? Y'all sound like pitiful. Y'all listen to me, guys? All right, ladies, y'all listen to me? Here was Solomon's issue. Because it said he loved God. You know, Paul said one of the marks of the last days would that be men will be loves of pleasure more than, y'all don't know the Bible. Men will be loves of pleasure more than loves of God. Y'all know it now, right? Men will be loves of pleasure more than, y'all sound good finally. Look at 1 Kings 11 verse 1. But King Solomon loved many, now we just read in 3.3, he loved the Lord. I love the Lord. And the love of the Lord is wrong. Okay, but here's a problem. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. Now, it wasn't that he loved women. There wasn't an issue with him loving women. Men, you ought to love women. Not men. Okay? Now, New Testament, we love women, not women. I'm making a point to you here. But I'm showing you here, it says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women. Remember what God said, don't go after those gods of the people all around you. He loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, uh, Edomites, Sidonians. He loved all around the way girls. All, every, one of them, every one of them girls hit a little different. The, the, the Sidonians hit a little different. The, no more, right, the Edomites, them girls hit a little different. They, everybody. Right? Put up verse 2. Watch this verse 2. This is very important. For, uh, verse 2. From the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. See, the reason why he said don't go after foreign women is because they will turn you after other gods. That's why you need to find you somebody in the house of God. Don't go to the club looking for no wife or no husband. You know where you find good, good, clean girls, right? Right? Okay, now let me, let me, can I say something? Ser y'all seriously, can I say something? Now, all the women in church may not, women, I'm not picking on you, I'm just making a statement. They may not all be good, good, clean girls, but they're not foreign. Y'all got, y'all, y'all, are you foreign, Santi? Because you think you're going to marry 
marry somebody or you're going to date somebody in a different uh, religion and you're going to convert them. No. No, 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 no. He said they will turn. No, notice, notice God didn't say you might turn their hearts to me. Y'all didn't mean, come on now. He didn't say you might turn their hearts to me. He said they will turn your hearts away from me to other gods. That's the fact, Jack, that when you start intermingling with folk from other people and other so and so forth, they're going to turn you away. You're not going to turn them to God. So tell your neighbor, don't do it. Better wait on the Lord to bring you somebody, the right one, show you the right one. Pastor, I'm tired of waiting. Well, you better keep on waiting. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Pastor, I'm tired. I say you better keep on waiting. No, Pastor, I'm just dating. No, waiting. I said waiting, not dating. All right, I got, I got to keep going. 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 Get your hobby. Why? I want, I, want, I want you to see two things real quick. Why are people caught up so easily? God said this. He said they will turn your hearts away. Why, is, why was God so certain of that? Why did God not even say what they might or, you know, it's possible you could win them? Why was God so confident that they would turn your hearts are the people of God's hearts away. Here, here's two reasons. Number one, number one, listen to this. Idols don't require purity, morality, or spiritual discipline. Idols don't require any purity, any morality, or any spiritual discipline. The whole thing about idol worship is that you can do whatever you feel like doing. If it feels good, do it. You're free. You're, you're at liberty. You can, you can do what you want to do. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything in particular. You, you're not bound to any moral code. Idols don't require that. Remember, idols, you bought them. You, you fashioned them. You create the idol. The idol doesn't create you. The Bible says that, that the pot can't say to its maker, what are you doing? Because the pot didn't make the maker. The maker made the pot. So the maker gives the pot its purpose. So if we make idols, then the idols can't tell us what to do. So idols don't require any sort of purity, any sort of uh, morality, or any spiritual discipline whatsoever. You got that? Can I tell you number two and the biggest reason? You sure? It's because demons are behind every idol. That's worth noting right there. Demons are behind Every idol. 
Oh, my God. Can I prove it to you in Scripture? 1 Corinthians 10, 14. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Glory to God. I said demons are behind every idol. Can y'all see that? 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Read it with me. Ready? Read. Therefore, my beloved, flee from. Do what from it now? Flee from it. Run away from idolatry. All right, now drop down, please, to verse, for sake of time, to verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20. He says, Paul says, what am I saying then, that an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols anything? What he's saying is, is no, idols really aren't anything. But watch verse 20. Rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Remember he said, flee from idolatry. So behind every idol is a demon. Oh, boy, I don't know if y'all grab a hold of that. Are y'all awake today? Behind every idol is a demon. So people think they're worshiping just idols. They're bowing down to a statue. Or they're lighting incense to a statue. Or they're lighting incense as if the incense is their God. Or they're burning the sage. But according to the Bible, y'all believe the Bible? Behind every demon, every idol, there's there's a demon. He said they sacrifice to demons. Tell your neighbor, there's a demon behind every idol. So all idol worship is demon worship. Y'all don't like it. So people pull out, they get the little, little, uh, uh, what is it, astrology. I got my little horoscope. Y'all got quiet real real quick. I got my little horoscope out. I'm, I'm, I'm a Pisces. You're, you're talking about, you're laying out your day by the fact that you're a Pisces. And who you can date or who you can marry based on their sign. And I'm compatible or incompatible with so-and-so because of their sign. And don't understand, you are letting demons determine your fate. Behind, this is, this is what the Bible, and I don't care about your opinion, I'm talking about what the Bible says. He says you're not worshiping just idols, you're worshiping, he says idols are nothing. He said because idols are nothing. That's what he just said, he said idols are actually nothing. They're nothing. God, God said, in the book of Isaiah, God said, how stupid can you be? He said, you go cut down a tree that I made. Take it to a man, let him craft an idol out of it. He said, and you sit there and you bow down before that idol. He said, and the part that he didn't use, you burn it. He said, how stupid can you be? And yet, he knows people are that stupid. And they don't realize the reason why they're so drawn to it is because there are demons 
the Bible says that you and I have to take heed that we don't give ourselves, we don't take heed to doctrines of devils or doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. Does your Bible say that? So you and I have to make sure that we're not letting demons entice us into worshiping things outside of God himself. This is some heavyweight word, y'all just... This ain't no milk here today. There's strong meat here today. But if you can chew it up and don't spit it out, it's going to help you. See? Because what's happened is people have deviated and left dependence on the God who answers by fire. To gods who actually can't answer at all. But here's a trick, Laquanda. Remember now, behind every idol is a demon. Now, can I show you something else about that? Now, watch this. Go to Revelation 16. Because demons are behind every idol. I'm almost done. Or I'm, I should say I'm, I'm about to quit. Because I ain't no near, near done. I'm going to quit on you. And watch this. You listening? You listening? Demons attract through fraudulent manifestation. Demons attract people through fraudulent, I said fraudulent, manifestation. Now, did I say manifestation? Which means something happens. But it's fraudulent. Are you in Revelation 16? Verse 13. <laughs> Remember I talked about when the children of Israel were in Egypt and God sent those plagues and one of them he sent was frogs? Okay. Revelation 16, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, who are these? These three, these are the demonic trinity. Just like we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, we have here Satan's trinity. Satan's going to try to duplicate everything God does. He perverts it, right? So there's, there is a satanic trinity that, that will be, I almost said we will see, I'm not going to be here, will be on this earth in manifestation. You don't want to be here when that happens. He said, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Now who's the dragon? That's Satan himself, okay? Out of the beast, we talk about the mark of the beast, 666. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, that would equate to the Holy Spirit, but the demon spirit. Now, what comes out of them? Three unclean spirits. Okay, now watch verse 14. For they are spirits, come on, of demons performing, performing what? So demons perform signs.
are spirits of demons performing signs. Watch what he says, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of, of that great day of the God Almighty. What are you saying? He's saying that these demons go out, they perform signs that attract the kings and then the nations of the earth to them so they can gather, gather for this great battle that we call Armageddon. You keep reading it, talking about Armageddon. Y'all ever heard of Armageddon? That great battle that's going to happen in the earth between Jesus Christ and his people against Satan and all his people. So the devil, now remember, after all, you got to think deep. By the time this happens, the rapture's already happened. All the Christians are gone. Now, if, if a billion people leaving this planet at one time don't alarm you and wake you up like, wait, what, what? I mean, all those church folk were right. If you don't get saved the next day, if you, something don't, don't change you the next day, something wrong with you. But the Bible even says that by this time that after a plague will come, a plague will come, and a plague will come, and they will still not, not convert. And then another plague will come, and they will still not believe. Another plague will come, and they will still not believe. So God said, I'll, I'll get that in a second. He, God sends a strong delusion. And so what happens by this time, the spirits go out, and they do wonders. They do signs. Demons do signs. Say, neighbor, demons do signs. So demons have some power. I don't know if y'all know this. I don't know if y'all know. Demons have some power. If you don't think demons can do stuff to make folk wake up, then you are not understanding the spiritual realm. If you think demons are just something on TV, is a little little imps walking around, you know, with little horns in their their head, and like you you have no clue what's really going on. The moment you leave leave out this building, there are gonna be demons coming to do something to make something happen in your life. I, I guarantee I could, I could have Pastor Joshua give you testimony after testimony of things he's seen in particular places like Haiti. Places in, like in Africa where people are aware of these realms. The church, we people over here, we just do praise worship all the time. Oh, we don't know, but it's demons out here for real. You mean to tell me you think a guy walks into a school and kills 21 people and you're going to tell me like demons aren't real? A guy walks into a grocery store and kills a whole, 10 people in a grocery store? You think there ain't no demons doing stuff? Oh, no, he just didn't like black folk. Or that he just didn't like kids. That ain't, that ain't. That's Demons. Make a, a mother walk her four-year-old daughter into the Hillsborough River and drown her. Right here in our in our in the bear. You want you want to tell me demons ain't doing that? But how did a person get to that point where they allow the demon to take over? They were seduced by signs that the demons did. Okay. I'm going to give you one more scripture. I'm going to give you one more scripture, and I'm going to let you go home and get your nap. First, 2 Thessalonians 2. You can go and sleep, all, sleep the rest of the day away. 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 and 10. Because I want you to see this here. Because I, I I, it's my job as your shepherd to make you aware and to guard the sheep. 
my job to guard the sheep. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 9 oh, and 10. We're going to watch this. The coming of the lawless one, now that's Satan, or I should say the Antichrist is who it is specifically, is according to the what? Working of Satan. That word working is energy. It's the energy of the working of Satan. Watch this. Now here's the working of Satan. Catch this. With all, y'all see it? With all what now? Power. Keep going. And what else? Lying wonders. So Satan works. Watch this, y'all. Catch it. He works. And an antichrist spirit is the working of Satan. With all power. I know we like to say the devil don't have any power. God, Jesus has all power in his hand. Yes, Jesus has all power, meaning the ultimate power. His, his authority is over all of Satan's power. Jesus himself said in Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give you authority over all power of the enemy. I give you authority over the power. So the enemy does have power. Y'all better say something here. The devil does have power. You see, a, you see a hurricane stir up in the atmosphere? That ain't God. That's not the natural work. That ain't, the earth ain't just doing it by itself. The devil's doing that. So the working of Satan with all power, come on. Now that, hold on. I know y'all people like, like y'all Bible students. That word power is dunamis. One of y'all mentioned that. One of y'all ladies mentioned that the other night. Wednesday night. Dunamis. It's the same power you and I talk about when we casting out devils. The same power. But so this is saying the devil works with, with power, with dunamis. Then he says that word signs, the same word we get miracles from. Simeon in the Greek. But then it says Now, what's a lying wonder? It's not somebody that lies. It's not a, you know, we got kids and people who lie. They, they, we call them a lying wonder. You lie all the time. No, but, but a lying wonder, a lying wonder is a wonder that's lying. It's not, not the fact that a person is lying. It's a wonder that's a lie. In fact, I'm going to give you the, 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 the Greek for the word lying is a Greek word, pseudos. We use the word pseudo. You know it means fake. It's a lie. A conscious and intentional falsehood in a broad sense. Watch this. Whatever is not what it seems to be. Whatever is not what it seems to be. So the devil works, Laquanda, with lying wonders. He makes you think something is that it is, it is not, or that it ain't. She said it ain't. I just look right here. Now watch. Pastor, why is this a big deal? Because the devil will do. Can y'all see me? Y'all looking? Some of y'all not looking. Y'all look, looking in your phone. I'm not, I'm not on your phone. I'm right here. So people will burn sage. And then, all of a sudden, 
I do feel better. Or they'll go to Central Avenue and buy, go to the, to the stone and the rock store. And they'll buy them the rocks and the beads and the stones. Y'all looking at me like deer in headlights, but I'm telling you what's, what's, I'm telling you what's, what's crept into the church. It might be the person sitting right next to you doing this. And, you know, they said if I, if, I, if I lit this candle, I'll get a promotion. And you got the promotion. Y'all missing it, boy. I wish, I wish I had a church that was praying on me today. And you lit the candle, and you actually got the promotion. And all of a sudden, you think, wow, that candle works. And now you start telling other Christians, you know. I know a pastor saying, let me tell you something, I went and got one of them candles, and I, I, I lit that candle, and I got the promotion, I got, I got it, I got it, I got it. What's happened? It's a lying wonder. So what happens is, you got something that seems to be something. And it's funny, Joya, because everybody in the world talks about blessings in disguise. But nobody talks about curses in disguise. talking about that. You never hear about talking about that. Oh boy, I think that's a curse in disguise. Because the devil always entices. He always allures. He always tricks with something that looks right. It looks like exactly what you wanted, exactly what you prayed for, exactly what you lit for, exactly what you saved for, exactly what you did this thing for. When you went and you met, met the root lady, You met the little tarot card lady and she read your palm at the fair. You, I, it's just, Pastor, it wasn't serious. I was, just, I was just going to the state fair and a lady was just reading palms and I just, I just had five dollars. I was just playing, I didn't really need it. And you went and you did that and you're like, okay, that's just, oh, she told me so and so. And it, and it happened. Oh, wow, 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 lying wonder. Lying wonder! a lying wonder. And the devil is out to deceive the people of God and trick people out of their inheritance, trick people out of their relationship and their fellowship with God. And so he will come forth with lying wonders. Because he wants you to believe that that little connection, they said if you wear red on Tuesday, Something good is going to happen to you. I know it, Laquan. That's why the Holy Ghost got me teaching this. People can act like they ain't preaching nothing worth nothing. But I know this the truth. I'm dealing with too many believers, people in this church and outside of this church, who I'm just, what, 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 what happened to you? How you get all the way out there? How you got way over there? Because they were seduced out, tricked out. The listen, y'all better listen to me. The Bible says if any man thinks he stands, 
Take heed lest he fall. Otherwise, you sit here and think, I got all together, I don't need this mess from the pastor. You're the prime target of the enemy. You are the prime target with your sleeping self, with your pen, with your on your phone self, and I ain't got no time on me. You the prime target of the enemy because you made your phone your idol. You can't even get up in the morning without checking your phone. You can't go to bed without checking your phone. You can't get You made your phone an idol. Oh, it's more than just rocks and beads and candles and stones and sticks. You can make gods out of your own, out of your school. Make gods out of your own face. You'll spend two hours doing your face and not ten minutes in the Word of God before you come to church. Got to get my face right. Come on. Got to get my hair right. Got to. You spend two hours on that, and they ain't spent ten minutes in the Word of God. You are your own idol. You are prime target of the enemy. Preach, Pastor. I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. You'll run five miles a five miles a day. You'll run and you'll go exercise at two a.m. But you won't get up at three o'clock in the morning. Won't get up at eight o'clock in the morning and spend five minutes in prayer. You have become your own idol. And I know it's right. Any man thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. If you think you stand, the Bible says you are the prime target for the enemy's tricks. What's this all about, Pastor? Let me close right here, and I'll finish this. I'll finish this another time. Is the devil wants to get you and me to take our faith out of the God who answers by fire, out of the God who answers by the supernatural and put our faith in things and even people and even institutions. Let them say they're going to reduce Social Security. Oh, God. Oh, they're going to reduce so They're going to cut Social Security. Oh, my God. What? What? You've now made mammon your God. I remember one day, it was near Thanksgiving 20, 2010, 2012, one of those years. And we were broke. 2010. Broke, I mean, broken broke, broke. No money. No money. When I say no money, I mean no money and none coming in. And church had gone through a little, whole lot of stuff, 2010, and just, it was just rough. And, I mean, no money, church. And it's coming up to Thanksgiving. It's, I mean, no money. And one day, praise the Lord, the church, they put together a little, I, I, got, I got my paycheck. What I mean is, because there was none. There was supposed to be, but there had been none. What I, you know, when the church goes through, Pastor Joshua, somebody got to, hey, I got to keep this thing afloat. 
So rather than, hey, y'all, don't worry about me. I'm going to use my faith, but pay all the other employees. Everybody else got was getting paid. Pastor was the one that wasn't getting nothing. But I did that. I said, hey, take care of everybody else. Let's keep these lights on. Let's, let's try to pay this mortgage at that time. And I remember, boy, just, whew, I was like, and one day I remember, it just the week of Thanksgiving, I got a check. I'm like, praise God. And I'm, man, I got in the car. I'm going to the bank now. I'm going to the bank. I'm going to the bank. And I'm just, I mean, I'm just uh, dancing in the car. Ooh, praise the Lord. I'm, I mean, I'm just, who I'm, I'm just happy. I'm just giggling. Happy, boy, because I finally got a nickel, man. I got, you know what I'm saying? Now, none of y'all have been through that. None of y'all know what it is to be broke. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, and I, I had to keep preaching and to keep pastoring and keep doing, couldn't change a thing. And, and I'm like, man, praise God, I got a little check, praise God. And I'm going, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm on First Avenue South, headed downtown. And I get right about 20th, about 20th Street, and Holy Spirit says, Oh, you happy now? But sure, I knew it when it hit me. I knew, I knew when he said it, I knew exactly what he was telling me. He said, oh, you happy now? No, now that you have a check, now you have all this joy. James, in, in, that, in that instant, in that instant, I went from all rejoicing to sobbing, crying like a baby. I'm in the car sobbing, I'm crying like a baby. <laughs> Why? Because I know what he's telling me. That I was talking all this faith, but in my reality, I had made money my God. So the rest of that trip, I'm crying and I'm repenting. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. You're right. I'm so, I don't know how I could have done you like that. I don't know why. God, please forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm begging. I know he's going to forgive me instantly, but in my heart, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I got so much contrition in my heart. I'm like, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I was. I was looking at money. I was looking. Money was controlling my joy. Money was controlling my peace. Lord, I'm so sorry. And it was after that that the, the back of poverty was broken because all of a sudden, okay, I'm not going to live and let money be my God. So now with money and no money, I got joy. Money and no money, I have peace. Money or no money, I can praise God. throw this on the side. Now you can praise God a lot easier with money. Let me just tell me to throw that in front of <laughs> Y'all stand to your feet. I'm, I, I'm out of time. It's, it's a lot easier now. I'm, I'm going to tell you that, the truth. That way. When you got something, it's a lot easier. But, but you still got to have a praise anyhow. Why? And you know if it's like this, it's if 
when you when you are at the bottom, you feel that depression. This may be newsflash to you, but I'm telling you, what's happened is money has become God. And we can't let that happen. Because the money can become God, and everything else can become God. God, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you all to understand how much Father God loves you and loves us. Because he wants to do works, signs, wonders in our lives that are not lying wonders, but they're true wonders. The kind that after you peel back all the covers is not a curse. It's actually real. The devil can send you what you think you want. He deceives the whole world, the Bible says. He deceives the whole world. Thank you, Lord. But we're not going to let him deceive us. So if y'all allow, I'll I'll finish this off. I'll finish that thing off next week. But I want to get this into us. In the 24th chapter of Joshua, verse 15, Joshua, the commander, Joshua, we could call the pastor of the church of Israel said this. He said, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And knows what he said. He said, you got to choose. You, you, can't, you can't choose everything. He said, choose. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. This is pastor speaking right here. Just like Pastor Joshua spoke. But as for me and my house, Do I have any other heads of household in here, husbands, wives, mothers, whatever you are, if you're the head of your household, I want you to lift your hands. And if that's you, I just want to say that. I want you to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's a declaration, a decision that you make out of your mouth that when you do that, Everything else in your life, everything else in your house falls under that decision. It's a quality decision. Everything else falls under that. Well, kid, the kids want to go do this. Well, no, is that, is that serving the Lord? Well, I want to go do this and this. Well, is that serving the Lord? See, everything else has to come under that. He says, so choose. God will let you choose. You can choose whichever one you want to. But that's for me and my house. You know what, what would make it so much easier in this church, in the body of Christ, is if all of us made that same decision. Sometimes what makes it difficult is 
Everybody doesn't make that same decision. That's why you don't hang out with all your family. Because that's all the other folk in your family, they have made that decision. But the ones who have, it's so much easier for you to just hang out with them. It's easy. We can, we can hang out and get along. We can have a good time, too. We can laugh and giggle and all that kind of things we do as, as family. And everybody's good because whatever we're doing is still under this serve the Lord. Amen. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to be responsible for each other and accountable to each other. That means if you own somebody's Facebook, I'm not on that stuff. Y'all got to do it yourself. You own your Facebook, Instagram, you know there's somebody, you know, in your church family or body of Christ even. You're like, hey, you're getting over into that. Say something. Don't act like you don't see it. Y'all got quiet. I knew that was yeah, don't like it. Hit the unlike button. If they have a, make an unlike button. Hey, I don't like that. Or, or say, is that, is that serving God? Well, they might, they might block me. They might, but at least you told them. Now don't don't be wrong. Don't don't be some. The Lord will give you exactly what to say and how to say it. Thank you. But you have to say it. Amen. I don't want anybody lost. Father, thank you today for the word. I thank you, Lord, for what you've let us get into today. And I know we didn't finish the assignment, but Father, I know there's more that you have for us to get out. You've sent a stern warning to your people that you don't want us uh, to be susceptible, vulnerable to the enemy, that he's able to come and distract us and deceive us and disconnect us from you because we've uh, gotten into things that are not in line with serving you. Father, I ask that these your people this day will continue to make or even make for the first time the quality decision to only serve you. Satan came to Jesus Christ and tried to get him to bow down and worship him. Jesus responded the way that we will respond. We'll worship, only, only the worship of the Lord and him only shall we serve. We'll worship the Lord and him only shall we serve. God will only worship you. We will only serve you, Father. You're the true and living God. God, I'm asking you to do us a favor. If you would reveal to us every area in our lives we may have allowed idolatry to enter in. Whether it's some clear, obvious thing or some subtle thing that we don't even recognize that we've let idolatry uh, slip in. Make it known to us. Holy Spirit, be louder in our hearts. Show us where we've erred. And I pray, Father, that our hearts will be so tender so tender that we will not deny that voice and just quench your spirit but we'll listen to your spirit and make the adjustments, the corrections we'll remove anything that's not like you so that we can serve you in perfect peace that there might be harmony between us and you God you might get the glory out of our lives I thank you 
but God lovers and God servers in this place. God, we will give you the glory and all the honor because in the beginning, it was you. It's still you. And in the end, it'll be you. We love you. We magnify you. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come, deacons, elders.